Team Time. Sports around the world. How are you doing, Team Time? Welcome to Sports Around the World with me, Ben Cullen. As the weeks go by, more and more sporting institutions around the world are planning their return to action following the coronavirus disruption. There are numerous organisations that have already got off the ground and appear to have done so successfully. The Ultimate Fighting Championship held its fourth event in May this past weekend. UFC Fight Night took place on Saturday in the home of combat sports, Las Vegas. Dana White and his team received a lot of criticism for their perceived early comeback, but after four events in three weeks, they appear to have done a stellar job on their return. With the rest of Europe's top leagues on hold, the Bundesliga is at the centre of attention in the football world. Despite the criticism from fans and politicians, the return of the league has been a major success for clubs and broadcasters. The fear was the players and staff would get infected and the Bundesliga could potentially contribute to a second wave of the coronavirus pandemic. But so far, fears have been proven wrong. Almost all COVID-19 tests from players and staff have come back negative. With fans banned from attending matches because of safety concerns, some of the German teams got creative in allowing fans to have their presence felt. For 19 euros ahead, supporters can have their face put onto a life-size cardboard cutout and placed into the stands to make them look a little less empty. All proceeds from the initiative are being donated to local charities. What a nice touch. Unlike the Bundesliga, numerous football leagues have foregone the remainder of the season. Scotland has become the latest league to join the list, which already included France, Belgium and the Netherlands. The Scottish Premiership was stopped after clubs unanimously agreed there was no prospect of completing the season. Final league placings were decided by points won per game before the lockdown, gifting Celtic their ninth consecutive title. Sport has returned to the UK. The UK government declared that competitive sport could take place behind closed doors starting this week. It will be up to individual sports to assess the risk and consult athletes, coaches and support staff. Monday, June 1st saw the return of snooker and horse racing, but it was a case of eerie silence on the track and empty seats in the snooker hall. The long-awaited restart of the English Premier League is scheduled for June 17th. In the latest round of coronavirus testing, the Premier League confirmed that no players or staff tested positive from the latest batch of 1,130 coronavirus tests conducted. Formula One fans will be delighted to hear the Austrian government has approved hosting the season's opening races. They will take place behind closed doors at the Red Bull Ring in Spielberg and are scheduled for the 5th and 12th of July. The F1 bosses are still putting together a revised calendar for the season. If the Austrian races are successful, the F1 season could continue in Budapest on the 19th of July. The 2020 season was due to start in Australia in March. Also down under, the National Rugby League season was due to start in March but was delayed. They did, however, return to action this past weekend and even saw record TV viewers. More than 1.3 million viewers tuned in to watch the Parramatta Eels demolish the Brisbane Broncos. With no supporters able to attend Suncorp Stadium, broadcast innovations such as artificial crowd noise were well received by fans on social media. NRL acting CEO Andrew Abdo lauded the TV figures, paying tribute to the efforts that went into making a remarkable return date for the game. Here in Asia, baseball is set to make its return in Japan. Japan's professional baseball will begin on June 19th, but without any fans in attendance. The league's 12 teams were able to start practice games this week. Japan is following in the footsteps of the South Korean and Taiwanese baseball leagues, where they've already started their 2020 seasons. Both leagues started behind closed doors, but the Chinese Professional Baseball League in Taiwan recently started allowing fans to attend games. 
all three leagues could provide blueprints for Major League Baseball in the US. And finally, Roger Federer has been named the highest paid athlete in the world. The first time anyone from tennis has achieved this. He knocked Lionel Messi off the top spot due to the coronavirus pandemic, according to the annual Forbes list. Federer, the owner of 20 Grand Slam titles, earned a staggering 106.3 million US dollars in the last 12 months, largely from endorsements. The top five earners in 2020 were Federer, followed by Messi, Neymar and Ronaldo of football, and basketball giant LeBron James rounded off the top five. Teen Time, that's your roundup for sports around the world this week. We now welcome a special guest from the world of rugby. He was born and raised in New Zealand, but played professional rugby in England for over a decade. As his playing career came to an end, he moved into coaching, found himself on a plane to Hong Kong and has been here ever since. Craig Hammond is the head coach of the South China Tigers rugby team here in Hong Kong, as well as the forwards coach for the National 15s team. Welcome to the show, Craig. We are delighted to have you on. Thank you, Ben. Can you just give our listeners a very quick rundown of what you do day to day in rugby in Hong Kong? Day to day. Um, like you said, I, I coach a few teams here in Hong Kong. Um, so coach the professional guys uh, during the day, kind of Monday to Friday, uh, which is a Hong Kong national team, and we call it the ERP players. So they kind of range, there's, there's a guys section and then they've got the ladies section. Um, and then I coach a Hong Kong Scottish as well, a club team uh, here in Hong Kong on a Tuesday, Thursday and a Saturday. So pretty much coaching every day, buddy. Very good. Very good. I'm assuming during the pandemic, you guys had to rein back in your training. How did the guys manage it? And were you anxious about it as coaches? Uh, yeah, I think it was an interesting time for, you know, you don't expect that to happen ever in the world or in the rugby side or sports side. Um, so probably the, we, we take it as a positive. Um, as coaches, we spend a lot of time reflecting on where our program is, how do we want to make the next World Cup, how are we going to improve over the last kind of, we had six, nearly eight weeks apart. Um, so we spent a lot of time through the magic of Zoom and uh chewing some ideas, talking to other coaches around the world, talking to different people that could help us advance um, our skills as coaches. And and the guys kind of had their own programs, uh, S&C side of it, and they took all the gym stuff out of it. Anyone could take dumbbells home, they could take kettlebells, they could take weights onto their roof, into their lounge or whatever. So it was a bit of a strange thing for our S&C um, guys to, to have guys training and do Zoom meetings through their trainings. But um, for us as coaches, I think, we, we soaked up that probably eight weeks and we've come out on top and reflected and hopefully we'll be in a positive position going. We've just started back over the last couple of weeks. so Very good. Uh, there's a few things you said there I'd like to touch on. Can we go back to the World Cup? You said you're looking forward to the next one. You didn't quite qualify for the last one, unfortunately, but you came very, very close. Um, can you just speak on our experience, the heartbreak, how close you were? Give us a quick rundown of it. Um, yeah, I think a few years leading into that World Cup and when we said we had aspirations to try and make the World Cup, everyone in Hong Kong pretty much laughed at us and said you're nowhere near it. Um, we ended up having a good run um, and getting into a Repercharge Challenge, so we went down to Cook Islands and played them home and away, which was a pretty big experience. Um, and then we ended up going to um, France and playing, we're pretty much over there, a couple of weeks in Wales and probably three and a half weeks in the south of France, which is pretty amazing. And we played. Uh, three teams down there and we ended up losing uh, Canada, ended up qualifying for the World Cup so we're probably one spot away from making the World Cup so 
Um, yeah, disappointing, but a couple of years ago, we, we kind of didn't even think we'd be anywhere near it. So lessons learned massively, um, and it just gives us a big boost to try and make that uh, 2023 World Cup. And, and that starts kind of started last year pretty much when we got back um, and we've got a couple of years of building and then we've got to make sure we're kind of fitter again and we're stronger and we're more physical so zeros of our game we got found out in over there um, and we're working pretty hard and it's, it is nearly a three four year plan which is quite scary when you look at it that way but um, yeah we, we want to make that World Cup in 2023 in France so it's a great challenge for Hong Kong. Okay, that was what I was going to lead into next. You know, what it, what is the status? What are the, some of the things you're working towards in the next three to four years? Are you going to have a similar group of players? Do you expect it to change a lot? How is it going to look? Yeah, I, I think we, we chewed through a couple of the older players finishing that repercharge. There's probably about four, five, six of the older guys that are retired. Um, so for us, we're, we're massive focus on um, a core group that we think are going to try and get us to that World Cup. So the younger guys... The, the 22, 23, 24-year-olds that are in Hong Kong. Um, and there's some outstanding young men, pretty much, that were kind of born in Hong Kong, whether they are local Chinese, whether they are expats that are born here, or whether they've come and qualified playing for Hong Kong over the years. So we, we've got a core guy, oh, we've got probably 35 full-time athletes in our um, uh, through the Hong Kong system. So we're kind of looking at those guys that would hopefully take us there. and these guys coming back from overseas and universities and guys we're trying to develop to get us to that next World Cup. So there's a bit of forecasting looking forward over the next couple of years um, and developing a few of those young guys to be leaders so we don't make that same mistake we made uh, last year. So um, good challenges, but exciting challenges for us over the next couple of years to be part of. Craig, thank you for that today. We will be back next week for part two of this interview. Cheers, mate. Look forward to it. I'm Ben Cullen. Join me again next Friday here on Radio 3.